0: all right good morning everybody morning. Uh, today like pastor said we're going to be going through uh, john 15 i am the true vine we're going to start in verses 1 through 11 um, and just uh you know when pastor asked me to do this message uh, at first i was a little bit taken back this is i don't know if you guys are keeping count this is the third consecutive message i've delivered on the same passage Uh, When he first, (laughs) well, actually, no, because that's what I wanted to say next. At first, you know, I thought, how am I going to do that? Have I, you know, is there more? And then very quickly, I realized how just how inexhaustible God's word is. I think we could probably go through this passage for months and uh, and not pull everything out of it that God's trying to show us here. Uh, So we'll get started here. I'm going to read verses one through eleven. Uh, and then I want to touch briefly on uh, some of the points from the, the previous messages that I've got to, got to share with you on this. And then we're going to get into uh, kind of the bulk of what, uh, what the true vine means here. So, John 15 I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean So in my first message uh, that we got to go over on this, we talked about uh, how in a lot of the Old Testament passages, Israel is depicted as a vineyard or as a vine, and uh, how that never played out well. The, the, the end outcome was not the desired outcome. Uh, in Isaiah 5, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time there today. Uh, Israel was to produce a fruit of righteousness and justice and bring glory to God, uh, but it didn't. In the end, Israel ended up uh, serving false idols. They were were attached to wrong things. We talked about the different branches that we can see here in John 15, how there's branches that will be pruned to grow more fruit, how there's branches that will be moved and lifted, and ultimately how there's going to be branches that are cut away. Because they either had no attachment to the vine or a false attachment. We emphasize the point that this, this passage is about relationship so much more than it is about fruit. Um, fruit is definitely a part of it, but bottom line is relationship, it's abiding. How we talked about, we kind of defined this term abide, meaning to continue in, but in this passage here, it's also how we derive our life. We gain our life from the vine, just as a, as a branch has no life unless it's attached to the vine, so are we, we have no spiritual life unless we're attached to Christ. Then my second message, we did talk about the fruit, because that's a question we all have. How do we know if we're bearing fruit? What is the fruit? And and ultimately, the the big points we can pull out of that is uh, because this passage is about relationship, we can't bear fruit on our own. Christ says that here in verses 4 and 5. It says, "...abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Same way, in the horticultural world, if that branch is not attached, there's no fruit. We talked about this fruit, that it's evident. It's, it's visible, we can see it, it's noticeable. It's proof, it's attractive, it draws other people to this plant, to this vine. It identifies the type of tree we have apple trees. We have apples grown on apple trees. Grapes on grapevines. Raspberries on raspberry bushes. We can see. We can also see the health of this particular vine, judging by the fruit. We stated that fruit is always for something other than the branch. You know, the fruit that we bear in our lives ultimately is not for us. It's to glorify the Father, and to show our love for the rest of God's uh, people. Bottom line, fruit is a result of the Holy Spirit that works in our lives to glorify God and to, uh, to enable us to obey His commands to love our neighbors as ourselves. Fruit is always for somebody else, and it's always a result of abiding in the vine, which gives us that Holy Spirit. So now in this, past, or in this series, we've been looking at Jesus, uh, these claims that Jesus saying, I am. Uh, and I'm going to draw some, uh, some pictures here of how we can see how these all tie together. Now we've been uh, talking about Jesus. Is he a madman or is he the Messiah? You know, he makes some outrageous claims. He says that eternal life comes through him, that our spiritual fulfillment comes through him, and ultimately, our security comes through him. Our confidence in our purpose and our confidence in eternity only come through Jesus Christ. In all other religions that I'm aware of, there's no guarantee that these needs can be met. In the end... Mm-hmm. A lot of other uh, people in the world, they end up working and striving by their own means, by their morality, by their good deeds, by their, by their works. And in the end, they're not 100% sure. And Jesus gives us promises that these are how you can be sure. The big difference here is a Christian is, is if we know Jesus as Messiah, we can operate from a position of security, while most of the rest of the world is operating for that position of security. We can operate from a position of being loved versus a position of desiring love. The big big thing here is that if we're working for something we lack, if we lack love, we're ultimately operating out of an act of fear. We fear that punishment. We fear that we're not good enough. But through the Holy Spirit, John, the writer of this gospel, in uh, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. While a lot of the rest of the world says, you have to be perfect to be loved, Jesus says, I love you, and I will perfect you with my love. So that's the big premises of today's message. Remember that all the way through. Now Jesus says, I am. As we transition into this, I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am. And that's, that's hugely important. Every time he says that, he's essentially saying that he is God. He says, I am eternally present. I am. I was there in the past. I am here now. I am there in the future. You can't get away from it. I am here. He was there with Moses in the burning bush. He was clearly here as we have four gospel accounts that are so equally tied together. He was clearly there at that time. And in the book of Revelation, we have a promise that he is still there, still on the throne. I am. Another thing that we can recognize about these I am statements is each one of them points to a God-created need inside of us. Some physically, some emotionally, all spiritually. Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that brings us to the last one. I am the true vine. Now, the way my mind works, a lot of these can all be tied back into this I am the true vine. And uh, I'm going to walk through these. We're going to kind of spell each one of them out. Kind of like a summary of the series, maybe a mini-summary. But uh, at this time when Jesus states this, the audience has shrunk down to 11. Judas is left. He is on his way to, to actually betray Jesus. So this, this is a, a pretty core group of uh, men left here. And they've seen a lot of things. And I believe Jesus is preparing them for the spiritual battles they're going to face. As Pastor Lee was touching on last week, we are more than just physical. There's a spiritual aspect that we all face. And, and Jesus is drawing these connections here so they're aware of this. First of all, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is saying that all spiritual life comes through me. Just as we stated before, if you have a branch on a vine, if it's not connected, there's no life. You may say fruit on it, but it's not going to last long. It has to be connected. It's the same way with us. No attachment equals no life. Water and uh, nutrients from the roots have to come up. Physically, for that plant. And Jesus sustains us. Now I'm going to go back past one of the I Am statements to John chapter 4 right now. And we can see how Jesus totally sustains us through all these things here. Uh, John chapter 4, most of us know this, this is the woman at the well. And Jesus makes a statement here that that catches our attention as we look at what we need for sustaining life. Verses, um, I think I said 13... Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John chapter 6, the bread of life. We need physical nourishment. Without it, we waste away. It's the same with our spiritual lives. Without spiritual nourishment, without spiritual food, we will spiritually waste away, which will lead to our spiritual death. John chapter 8 I am the light of the world. We need to see. We couldn't get out of this room if it was pitch black in here without tripping over a chair, running into somebody else. It's the same with our spiritual life. What kind of dangers are we going to walk into if we can't see? John chapter 10 I am the gate. This gate offers us protection and freedom. There is a thief out there, as we learned in that chapter, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal our testimony, kill us spiritually, destroy us. This gate offers us protection. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. That's care and protection. And I love how in that message we went to Psalms 23. We need lead, and we need lead not just to pasture, but to green pastures. Jesus has this best in mind for us, this green, nourishing food for us. John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. That's hope. Emotionally, we all need hope just as we need spiritual hope. If we wake up in the morning and all is lost, how long before we physically wither away? How long before we just just give up? We need emotional hope just as we need spiritual hope. And this isn't just a a hope like it might happen, it's a promise. (laughs) In John chapter 12, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We learn that this brings us access to God, which is hugely important. The truth, we also need the truth. If we don't have the truth, we'll be taken by the lie. Which leads us to the last of the I am statements, I am the true vine. This is our big focus. Okay? Um, so all through these I am statements, Jesus is drawing this connection. Now, the Bible's clear that as we physically die, our spirit does not. It continues on. We may have no physical needs, but we continue to have spiritual needs that are only met in Him. A lot of other religions claim spiritual life, but the Bible says that death is separation. A spiritual death is a separation from God. And if Jesus is the way, everything else is not. Nothing else is. If Jesus is the way... um, Go quickly to Ephesians uh, 2, 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That's that attachment in Christ Jesus, the only life that we have. We were dead in our trespasses, in our sin. That sin separates us from God. We've all heard that before. Our life comes in Christ through that attachment in Christ. Um, many other religions talk about spiritual fulfillment, but I want life. I'm sure you do too. We don't. Uh, the analogy that came up with this, you know, I can eat a whole bag of celery and it's going to fill me up but there's not enough nourishment and celery to keep me alive. right? It's water and fiber. I need protein, I need carbohydrates, I need calories. Just as we need spiritual fulfillment that only comes in Christ. Now when Jesus says he's the true vine, he's speaking of relationship, attachment. A continual, life-receiving, fruit-bearing relationship. This is something that we were all created for this attachment, this relationship. We seek it in so many different things. We can't even begin to count the ways that we seek it. Some of it are through personal relationships. Some of it's through our activities. We seek that relational fulfillment. We long for the relationships that bring us joy. We long for this intimacy. Even though a lot of us put hard shells on and we hide it, deep down all of us want an intimate relationship that we can be fully known and fully know others in. When you guys think of a vine, where does a vine grow? Anybody? In this, well, where, where would you put a tomato vine? In your garden. Not in my place. <laughs> we would put a, a vine in our garden, and I think it's, it's when we talk about this relationship, this attachment, this, we see vine, we think garden. Clear back in the garden is where we find this picture of this relationship that we wanted, that we all search for. Uh, We're going to go to Genesis 128 through 31. I'm going to read this whole uh, section here. I think in the notes I just had 128. But 128 through 31, and then we'll quickly go to Genesis 225. Genesis 128 says, And God blessed them. everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. Now, this thinking of relationship, this passage really captivates me. God was speaking directly to Adam and Eve. He was blessing them. Right there, very first, it says, "And God blessed them and said to them." They had a relationship with God. They had nothing to hide. They had no hindrance. They were right there, and God spoke to them and blessed them, completely open and honest. Go to Genesis two twenty five, and we can see how this. We're still taking this in. It says, "And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed." Relationships don't get any deeper or more intimate than that. There's nothing to hide. There's no fear. There's nothing to cover up. No fear of inadequacy. No fear of comparison. And for all of us guys out here, this is not just talking physically. This is talking emotionally, spiritually. Everything, there is nothing to hide. As I said before, everything is there open to be known and open to know. This is the the relationship that we all desperately want. One that brings us the fulfillment, that brings us life. That's what this abide in the vine means, is to have a perfect communion as Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. But because of Genesis 3, we see the fall, and that separated us. Since that fall, that's what every man and woman and child is ultimately looking for, is to get back to this perfect communion. Searching for that, like I said, we attach ourselves to all sorts of things, to our our spouse, our kids, our jobs any other relationships it's all searching for fulfillment they can't be found there it can only be found abiding in Christ that's why Jesus says he is the true vine because nothing else can take that spot nothing else is going to be that true vine picture a vine for me if you will growing we've seen uh, I've seen vines as they grow and they start to grow up a fence, a trellis. I've seen them on telephone poles. You name it. There's so much growth there that they start to hide the true attachment points. You can't tell where the vine starts and the or vine stops and the branch starts. It's just a big mess. And after a while of this growth, that vine even takes the shape of what it's attached to. Aren't we the same way? As we grow, as we do our events as we stay busy, don't we start to look like those things? Uh, I mean, we, we can look in our society how things are, how we, soccer mom, hey, I got one for me that, that hits home for me, scout dad, okay? Uh, a lot of these are good things, but they become too big things, they become too paramount, we start to look like them. And you can, you can name it, you know, uh, we talk to men in this Society. what's one of the first things we ask? Well, what do you do? That's our big thing. What do you do? Who are you? Well, I'm a welder. I'm a teacher. I'm a scientist. Okay. These things can't take the place of God in our lives. When they start to, when they get too big, when we start to look too much like them, it is sin. And it's something that we all wrestle with because we're all looking for that fulfillment. We get so attached in our things and our stuff. Maybe it's maybe it's material things. We start to lose sight of our true attachment. Uh, another one that hits hard sometimes is ministry leader. We don't we don't really grasp that even a even something that we feel God pulling us to in our hearts can quickly take the place of Him. In the Old Testament, we have a a, a great picture of this. Um, I want you to. Uh, We're going to go to Isaiah 5, but we're also going to flip kind of back to John 15. So if your finger's already in John 15, uh, go to Isaiah 5. And I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 7 here. And we kind of see this picture of Israel as the vine, and ultimately... Uh, this ties so closely in with John 15, we can see how things work together. It says, Let me sing a song, or I'm sorry, let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones. He planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there for me to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that there rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planning. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. See, God, in the beginning of this, took very good care of Israel. And he expected something, and by their choice... They decided not to. They followed other things. John 15 tells us this same thing. Uh, Verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we look at both of these God is providing us the opportunity to abide in Him, just as Israel had this opportunity to to keep their trust in God, and they started to search after other things. We're going to look at that. And in John 15 here, we have the same thing. We have this opportunity to abide, and God blesses us, and it brings Him glory. That's the ultimate goal of this, is to bring glory. We can see how Isaiah, if we go back here, how they got so tangled in other things. Which pulled them away from God. They got tangled up, and well, let's go through it here. Verse 8 in Isaiah 5 says, Woe to those who join house to house and add field to field until there is no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. Israel was taking confidence in their material possessions. They were greedy. God had blessed them, He had given them this fertile ground. He was sprouting up, they were thriving, and they took their trust from the giver of these things, and put it in their own abilities. They wanted more and more. Verse 11 and 12 says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames flames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, wine at their feast, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord. They were attached to their lifestyles. They had a good life. They had it easy. This is one of these passages where we can see this directly points to us in America. Uh, I'm not saying that there's a prophetic thing for America here, but in America we have this lifestyle of relative ease. And we start to take the Lord for granted, just as it says here in verse 12. They take the Lord for granted, again, the giver of all these things, and they put their hope in what the gift was. Verse 18 and 19. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, who say, let him be quick, let him speed his work, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near. Let it come that we may know it. They walked in open defiance of Yahweh and His commands. They live their lives as if there was no God. I love this picture here. You know, they, they draw their iniquities with cords. Draw their sin is with cart ropes. I, I get this picture of an open blasphemous. We got you know, Today we might call it a little red wagon, and you're saying, hey, look at me. I got all my sin here, and God's not going to do anything about it. That's, that's the picture that, that we should be getting from this is that they were just blatantly doing that. And I think about how often we tend to do that ourselves. We, we, tend to, we tend to just not take sin seriously. But here it is. I don't know if God's going to do anything or not, but I'm betting on not. When in reality, as we read through the rest of this, uh, he definitely does. Verse 20 through 23, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, who put light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, valiant men at mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Again, in the American culture here, we don't have to go too far to see us putting evil for good and good for evil. All you have to do is watch TV for a while with a little bit of discernment and see how this takes place. And because we have all this, We get into verse 24, where God is starting to, through Isaiah, tell of the coming judgment. Verse 24 says, Therefore, as a tongue of fire devours the stubble, and the dry grass shrinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. So that's a big pronouncement of judgment. Um, To go back to John 15, God here in Israel is getting ready to do a major, major pruning. It's something that's going to be very uh, invasive, very hurtful. But there's a bigger reason that he does it than just the sin. He had to take away all these things because they forgot where their true attachment was. Their command, clear back uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. They were loving their stuff, their activities, their things more than God. And that's where the pruning comes in. So in John 15, 1 and 2, there's a clear reason that John uses these uh, terms here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So, a couple of things I want to say here. Um, As believers in Christ, we have an attachment to the vine. As abiding in the vine, we should expect pruning. It's going to happen. We should even desire it, because it makes us more like Christ. Now, in Isaiah 5, the idolatry became so rampant that God had to do a very major pruning. In our lives, from time to time, He may have to do that as well. But there's a reason. Yes, it's for fruit, but as we're pruned, our attachment to Christ can grow stronger and stronger, if we allow it. Like Pastor was saying this morning, that's our participation. We have to allow it. We can reject the pruning and we, we can try to hide from it or we can accept it and know that it has a bigger ultimate goal. As God removes all that garbage that hides our attachment, that attachment is more evidence. As we can point to that attachment, as we accept it, desire that pruning, we can point to our true attachment. Now, hear me on this as well. Isaiah is talking about Israel, and they're being pruned because of sin. Pruning is not always because of sin. Okay? We can be pruned for a lot of different reasons. It's not always sin, but there is always one reason, and it's because God loves us. As we go through the rest of this, keep that in mind, that if we are pruned, ultimately it's because of His love for us. Will He prune us because we're in sin? Yes. Not always the root cause. So as we prune and we have this attachment, this opportunity to allow the attachment to grow stronger, that's the main reason Jesus says this. If we go to uh, verse 15 and 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I want to break this down just a little bit and think about this, uh, the joy Jesus had. He had a perfect relationship with the Father In a perfect environment as, as we read in John 17 from the beginning. Jesus was there in the garden with that perfect communion. There was no sin, there was no hindrance, no shame. Perfectly knowing and being known. All things, all things have been given to Jesus. All things was created for Him. He has rule and dominion over everything. And he wants that joy to be in you, in me, in us. That joy of perfect communion, that perfect joy, he wants it to be in you. That's of that fulfillment that we search for ever since the garden. And this is what makes our joy complete. Our joy complete is the realization of Jesus' joy in us. That perfect communion is what we're seeking, and that's what Jesus offers to us as we abide in the vine. The Father prunes because he loves us. It's very hurtful here, but it points to our greater spiritual need, and that's the the reason for the pruning. This life is only temporary for each and every one of us, but our spiritual life continues on. God is more concerned with that spiritual life that we would abide with him then we would have all of our comforts and needs met here physically. You know, ultimately, every other attachment we have will be pruned away. We'll have nothing left. The Father prunes each one of His branches. You as branches, He's not going to prune Pastor Lee the same as He's going to prune me or anybody else. We're all different. Ultimately, it's because He loves us and it's for His glory. Uh, one thing that's been very evident to to our family here lately is, is this, this pruning. Uh, as most of you know, my father-in-law Ray passed away this week. And, and this was, uh, it was a hard time for our family, but it's also an encouraging time because we got to see this play out firsthand. Ray was a very, very active man. He was very hands-on. He worked with his hands, his tools continually. His yard was immaculate. His workshop was everything was in order for the first 20 years I know him, or close to 20 years, but these last couple years, his health has been slowly declining. He was so attached to his works and everything, and then little by little, his health went to where he couldn't maintain his yard the way he wanted to. He couldn't spend as much time in his shop. He couldn't build the knickknacks, trinkets, and toys that he always took so much pride in. But as this happened, Sarah and I can watch his attachment to Christ grow stronger. So that Monday night when he passed away, there was no doubt in our minds where he was going, what was happening. He now is living in that joy that Jesus talks about here. Okay? We're still hurting. That's part of our pruning. But he has moved on to that perfect joy. And this is why I am the true vine is so important. Jesus is the only eternally one, eternal one, he is the only attachment that we can have here now that's going to carry us through into eternity. Okay? Everything else will be swallowed up. Uh, I think in Revelation it says the whole world's going to be rolled up like a scroll. Okay? Nothing's left but that attachment. And we have that personal choice to abide, to accept the pruning, to move closer to Christ through that pruning. Um, As I try to close this up with the madman or Messiah, I know where my hope is. He said everything else passes away, every other religion uh, that doesn't give us that confidence. Jesus is the only one that beat death. He's the only one that hung on a cross and walked away. Jesus is the only one that can say with any confidence any of these things, that any of these needs will be met. Most everybody else says, you can try. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't. If I try on my own, I'm bound to mess it up. There's not enough in me to secure myself for eternity. But in Jesus, He gives us that confidence. So we can, we can live as if He's a madman and, and walk away from that and try to do it on our own. Or we can live as, he's, as if He's the Messiah and allow these things to happen and uh, and press deeper into Him. So, as I close out here in prayer, uh, like I said, each one of us has to decide that for ourselves. Um, like I said, for me, I'm going to choose the Messiah because uh, the spiritual life is real, has been very evidence to us. So, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word that encourages us. I know that this message is, is, is heavy on our hearts, but it I pray also, Lord, that it does get us to think about that future joy, that the joy of eternity with you, the joy of being co-heirs with you, the joy of perfect communion. Father, my prayer is that if there's anybody here that's uncertain about their place in that joy, that they would seek out the right people to ask so that he can have that confidence. There's people here that want to share that. Lord, for the rest of us that do have that attachment with Christ, Lord, if we're we're true with ourselves, Lord, help us take that inventory of of what we're attached to that's pulling us away, that's not allowing us to to strengthen that attachment in the true vine. Lord, as I think about my studies for this, message and i think the beautiful part about jesus being i am is that he is everything that we are not we cannot do these things for ourselves but god through your spirit that lives inside of us because of jesus you allow us you promise us that he can do these things for us that he has done these things for us we just need to trust hope press into that attachment to him and we can have that confidence of knowing but Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, we can, we can move closer into that attachment with you, deeper into that attachment, that as we go through hard times in our lives, we can, we can focus on you, knowing that these things, as we allow them and as we press into these attachments, these prunings, they just bring us closer to you, make us more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.